the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Healthcare Now, paid for by Integrated Physician Network. This program is recorded to air at this time. Welcome to Healthcare Now with your hosts, Larry Jones and Dr. Mark Shayat. Want to become an educated healthcare consumer? Then join our discussion about all things healthcare and understand how to navigate our complex U.S. healthcare system. Now, let's join our hosts in the Healthcare Now studios. Welcome to Healthcare Now. This is Dr. Mark. I'm here with Larry Jones, and we have a distinguished guest today. We do, Dr. Mark. I'll let you introduce her. Okay, Dr. Betsy Dovek, who I met recently at a Flacos conference. Dr. Dovek is a bariatric surgeon here in the Central Florida area, and we are so pleased to have you on our show this evening, Dr. Dovek. Thank you both. This is very exciting. No, we are we are yeah. pumped. We do uh, try to get guests in here, but you you are going to probably bring us some more information to our listeners and to to us than uh than we can even fit in this show well let me just give you a couple of little teasers dr dovek has performed more bariatric surgeries in the united states than any other female physician indeed fantastic that's quite that, a, yeah, an accomplishment uh, yeah that that is yeah. a big number have you what yeah. what, what is that? that what's the number about it's about four thousand two hundred and eleven somewhere there yeah and growing oh, that and is, what that's period amazing. of time was that dr dovek uh, what year did I start? Yeah. I started in 2013, and I cool. actually started my career in Maryland, and then I came to Florida in 2021. Okay. Nice. Okay. Very nice. Great. Well, we're, well, gonna, we're glad we're, you're in yeah. Florida. Thank you. It's great to be here. No, the Sunshine yeah. State is yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Well, I know I know the hurricanes are a little discouraging, but I trust <laughs> yeah. me. Trust me. It's, it's not that common. It's not that we common. We normally don't get two in six weeks. No, Ooh, no, that no. That was intense. No, yeah. but did you see the uh, comparison of the, the two travels to these two storms and the last time when we had three storms? Uh, when it they was were, they're uh, almost the 04, same. I believe it yeah, was. Right. Charlie, right. Jean, and Francis. Yep. 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 I saw that. Yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bet on those names, but uh, I think bad, that was all right. Yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> but uh but yeah, the, but it was funny, the, the tracks were two of the tracks were identical to these two tracks. So that, that made people uh, kind of yeah. Scratch their heads. And, you know, uh, Dr. Mark, once we get through a couple of uh, things we're going to talk about, we're really going to talk about bariatric surgery, obesity, and all things related around the practice of, of what Dr. Dovek does. Absolutely. Absolutely. Before we get be to that, there are, there are a couple of facts yep. that, that you wanted yep. to throw out there. So I'll yeah. let you start with the, uh, I don't the population know our fact. our listeners saw this, but last month, the earth hit 8 billion in population, Dr. Mark. I could feel it. It's heavier. They're all on yeah. I-4. Yep. And, and only 6 billion of them might need bariatric surgery. That's right. That's incredible. Well, actually, it's about 42% of America, I believe. Yep. Exactly. Of the 333 mm-hmm. million in America. See, but, I told you it's going to tie this together yeah, somehow. That's good. That's good yeah. But, you know, it's interesting. Of that 8 billion, 2.8 billion, almost 35% of the population mm-hmm. of the Earth reside in either China or India. Yeah, China and India, yes. Yeah. Yep, yep. And and another stat that I thought was really interesting is every four minutes there are a thousand new births on Earth. Spread it out. Every Incredible. four minutes. Yep. Yep. And believe Ooh. it or not, the US is not one of the leading countries no, no. of new births no, in, no, on no. Earth. 
No, you know, when yep. you start looking at the the number of big cities in the U.S. that are at a zero population growth, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty surprising. And, I mean, there are some in the yeah. Northeast that are are negative. You know, mm. so it's yeah, it's kind of yeah. kind of kind of fascinating information. Well, it was somewhere in the neighborhood of that uh, 2.8 billion between India and China. Both of them run about 122 births of every thousand that are born on Earth. Gotcha. So, yeah, 12 percent. Yeah. Right in wow, that yeah. right in that area. There you go. All right. All right. All right. The other piece, uh, we have we spent the the last few weeks talking about Medicare because it's yep. it's t- time to sign up, uh, yep. Medicare Advantage, and right. there was a lot of advertising. There was an article in the Orlando Sentinel today, wasn't it? Or uh, it was actually yeah. Sunday. Sunday, yeah. Uh, talking about some of the the fraud cases yes. that have been reported, and there's yep. uh, you get emails. Uh, they've been on s- several of the radio stations have picked up. Sort big of time PSAs. phone scams. Yeah, big phone big scams. Phone scams. But yeah, you've got you've got the article in front of you if you want to yeah. hit some of the highlights. But, you know, it says seniors targeted as Medicare phone scams are on the rise, mm-hmm. and evidently CMS has indicated Centers for Medicare Medicaid Services out of Washington that they have been reported across the country over three hundred phones, three hundred thousand phone scams since October fifteenth mm-hmm. when the open enrollment started. Right, right. We see this in the marketplace too yeah. when the same kind of thing. When the open enrollment period start, yeah. there's always something going on, and they're targeting yeah. the elderly, and just it, it's it's confusing to us. Yeah. I mean, well, we, we talked about it we, for we've talked about it for hours yeah. in the last couple of months. It is very confusing, and really, what what happens is the phone will ring, and our seniors will answer the phone, and it starts with "I'm with Health Care Benefits with Medicare Services," and the voice will promise to improve your Medicare benefits, possibly even save you money, but what they don't tell you is that they're probably going to put you in a plan that doesn't even carry your own physician. Right, right. And and the scams and the complaints have been pretty dynamic. Yeah. Now, the one thing that, that we need to make sure our readers, our listeners know, is that even though the open enrollment is October 15th to December 7th, you even though you're effective at January 1, you have from January 1 to March 31st, to change plans if you were scammed into a plan right. you don't like or you didn't know that you were put in. Right. Or, or if you're in a plan and you find out it doesn't match what doesn't you want, match. you have that exactly. period as well. Yep. Yep. And then back to if you if you don't do anything, then you're in straight Medicare That's and right. uh, things right. things just kind of go on the, the way they had. They and had the, and the sad year. part is Medicare is so confusing as it is. It is. Yeah. And then to add the scam, phone scam situation. Yeah. Uh, just makes it that much more difficult. Yeah, and the, the news creates as much anxiety yep. as anything yep. else yep. because you know if you're hearing it, you really know what yep. what should I be following? Because yep. there there are legit phone calls. There are, and then a lot of times somebody, if you are in a Medicare Advantage plan, that company's going to call you and say, "Hey, you yep. were with us," and then how how do you know? How do you know? And, so. and the best way to do it is, you know, these navigators or your own health plan marketing people. That's who you need to work through. Yep. You don't work through somebody on the phone that nope. you don't know. Hang up and call a phone number that you know. Egg one eight hundred Medicare. There you go. That's right. There you go. Well, That's great. Right. Well, okay. all right. So we got those out of the way. Okay. I'm really chomping at the bit here to just mm-hmm. talk the, for the rest of the show about about what you do. Absolutely. And, and, and it's it's really very exciting. We've talked about the uh, we've talked about obesity on the show a great deal. We talk about diabetes a lot on on that as well. And I know that's something that ties in tremendously with the, the surgery that you perform. And so, how do you want to get started? You talked a little bit about uh, about your history, doctor. Yeah, well, why don't we have uh, Doctor Dovek just tell us a little bit about her practice mm-hmm. and how she got into the specialty and why it's such an important piece of your life? 
Sure. Yeah. So I went to medical school and I thought, I want to be a pediatrician. And then it turned out I was on the surgery rotation. And I don't know, Dr. Mark, yeah. if you felt this way too. And it was just like, whoa. This is it. This is it. This is what I'm drawn to. And especially the day that actually it was a clinic. I was in a bariatric surgery clinic and I saw patient after patient after patient, these follow-ups who are coming in and doing absolutely remarkable things. Life changed. Life change. I've lost this weight. I have. The, I don't have the diabetes anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't have my sleep apnea machine anymore. And I am forever more thankful for you for having that, giving me that tool and giving me this opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I realized in that short clinic, I'm like, this is it. Like, why? I can't believe everybody in healthcare yeah. doesn't yeah. want to do this because it's exactly. so, it's just so changing. And I have an impression on these people's lives forever more. And I right. and I I just fell in love with it, yeah. and I haven't looked away since. Yeah, you know, I tell the students that come in, and we talk about. So as I mentioned. So I've got my third year and fourth year students and they talk about, you know, I'm kind of thinking this, I'm kind of thinking that, but with surgery, it's surgery picks you. It does. And, and it's not, this is not a, a, a voice of arrogance. We've got two surgeons in the room, so, yeah. which is, which is a lot of arrogance in the room. But, yeah, that's right, yeah, okay. so, a lot of obsessive compulsive exactly, in the room. Exactly. Very exactly. But, but it really is thing. that thing. It, it draws you in and you kind of look at it just like with medical school. I know when you've talked to other people they're like, you know, I'm thinking about medical school. If you can find something else that's going to fulfill your life, you do it. Surgery, same thing, because you we've, you do give up a lot. You, you know? do. And I remember, the, you know, I'm a woman, obviously. And the moment where I was like, I'm going to do this, I was the only female in my entire medical school class. I went to Marshall, which is in West Virginia. Sure, and wow. it's very um, high producing primary care physicians. Mm-hmm. And when I said, I'm going to do surgery, it was seen as insane. Don't you want to be a mother? Don't you want right, to um, right. be a good wife? Don't, like, this is not traditional. And you know, uh-huh. I decided to take that leap. I, I was, it was a hard decision, but it was, yeah. it was the best one. Oh yeah, I know that is, I, it, and it is, it's challenging. I didn't, didn't realize you came from Marshall. I'm really, really familiar with that program. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I can only imagine. And even the, the numbers have changed a great deal. Uh, even in the last few years, I mean, at FSU, we're now, our, our newest class is over 60% women. Whoa. You know, which is unusual, right? I, I mean, it is. Yeah. 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 Yes. And then in pediatric surgery, we were the, the yes. first group to get over 50%. And so, I mean, I guess it's sort of the, it makes a little bit more sense. But at the same time, the opportunity should be there because they're an opportunity, not because of a gender choice. So, exactly. So, but it, you're, it does that, yeah. takes that extra sense of, of uh, I, don't, I don't know, I don't know if we've ever said anything that had to be bleeped out on the line, but, but no. kind of need to be a but badass you know, to make Mark, that happen. That's interesting you know? because of our doctors <laughs> and our network, almost a thousand most of our pediatricians are female. Yeah, so that's an area where yeah. you do see yeah. a lot OBGYN as well, yeah. and but surgery is abysmally low. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I when I started my residency, uh, there were two women in in that residency program, the yeah. entire program, and uh, I tell you, my chief resident, I remember her like it was yesterday, and she was tough as nails, and she had to be tough as nails. You do. You know, I mean, that was that, that was sort of a whole different angle. I mean, that's like another discussion that we have. We do a lot of uh, diversity discussions throughout medical school, and there's a there's a interesting conversation going on right now. Uh, we're actually going to put on a, a lecture series and sort of talk about it, but most of the medical schools have really worked hard to create racial and gender diversity yep. and, and better Health equality. Yep. And, and there's, it's crazy in, you know, 2022, now we're talking about pushback 
that some people have overdone these things. And mm. and so at FSU, since we've been, yeah, I mean, I can show you a picture of my graduating class and the diversity and, and all the excitement there, that people were having that discussion back. Like, well, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, where where do you think this is going to go? Mm. You know, but it is. It's it's pretty it's pretty dramatic. It's pretty dramatic. Well, let me throw something tuned. out with Dr. Dovek. You know, when I saw that we were at four point three trillion dollars in health care costs last year, mm-hmm. when I saw that obesity or the comorbidities around obesity represented just under two billion of that two four point um, two trillion of that four point three trillion. That really shocked me. Right. I mean, well, all the all those high players yeah. that we talk about with hypertension, yeah. diabetes, all these areas, yeah. th- those are the patients that you yeah. see every day, which so really that yeah. is probably the thing that makes yeah. your job the most challenging. So you because, want to talk about what's in that $2 trillion in cost? Absolutely. Okay. Well, as you you all yeah. are the expert in the 80%, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, of the entire healthcare spend is in the treatment of these chronic diseases, sure. which mm-hmm. are, let's be honest, at the root of it, is obesity. Americans, Absolutely. this is the true epidemic of the crisis, I think, of health care. And it is, is, is at a staggering pace that we are this trajectory, this upward trend is very costly. And the costs come from, yes, the, the treatment of the diabetes and its associated issues, mm-hmm. the high blood pressure, the sleep apnea, the acid reflux, but not just those. It's also in the workplace productivity, more sure. absenteeism. And then you also have the quality of life that is impacted including things like, you know, I I just, I can't enjoy myself and that makes me depressed. And yep. I feel Absolutely. like I don't, I've lacked my motivation to keep going. And and that is, I think in all of those things, when you have surgery and it starts to turn around, the spend, sometimes the ROI, the return on that investment of investing into surgery, is it can't even be quantifiable no, no. by how, how much that changes the cost. Well, yeah. we've got a great subject. We're going to take a break and come right back with Dr. Dovek and continue talking about obesity and all things related. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. Our website is behindhealthcarenow.com. That's behindhealthcarenow.com. We'll be right back. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Navigate the healthcare process like never before. Due to popular demand, Healthcare Now is also airing on Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Join me, Larry Jones, and Dr. Mark on Healthcare Now, Thursdays at 7 p.m. and Saturdays at 1. AM 950, FM 94.9, The Answer, and at TheAnswerOrlando.com. Take The Answer with you wherever you go. TheAnswerOrlando.com. Tune in, iHeart, and Odyssey.com. News, opinion, passion on the go. AM 950, FM 94.9, The Answer. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. You have found us back in the studios. This is Dr. Mark. I'm here with Larry Jones and Dr. Betsy Dovek. And we are talking right now. We, we finally got to the good stuff, right? We finally got to why, why you're here uh, talking about chronic disease, the cost. And, you know, when you when people talk about having surgery, I'd say the majority of our listeners have had or have a family member. This is so yes. very different. Mm. This is not 
something. This is this is a choice, right? Yep. This is not appendicitis or diverticulitis or perforated ulcer. This is completely different. Yet the impact that it has is also tremendously different. But we can sort of talk a little bit of that. Yeah, I mean, it's this decision to actually even get surgery because. If you're out there listening, I would love you to pause and think, what do you really feel about bariatric surgery? Like, what is your conception of it? And there's a lot of negative stigma around it. It's something that, look, there's a lot of different ways to treat obesity. There's lifestyle management, eat Mm -hmm. less, move more, medical nutritional therapy, behavioral health medications, pharmacotherapy is very promising. Surgery is on that list. Surgery on that list is the most effective tool that exists to lose weight and to have sustainable results. But yet, of all of those Americans who are eligible for it, less than 1% are actually getting the bariatric surgery. And I think it's because, not because you want to be obese, you want to struggle with your weight, you don't want to be, you know, able to play with your kids, run around, fit on a roller coaster, fit comfortably in an airline seat. It's not for any of that. It's, it's, It's because it's... It's Actually, scary. Actually, you don't have to be obese to not sit in an airline seat these days. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, that yeah, is fair. I can't. I can't fold my body into them it's either. Ridiculous. It's a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you're you're absolutely right. It is. It's it's scary because mm-hmm. it is an elective procedure. Yes. And you know, anytime you're doing, you think about elective procedures, and you think about cosmetic procedures, think about things that are, you know, they have impact, and people do them. But this has gotten. I don't know. I, I was I was involved in bariatric surgery before the laparoscopic era, mm. and it was way way more difficult on the patient. Uh, right? I mean, game changer. Correct. Yeah, I think what Dr. Mark just said is everything, and I think that this is what our specialty has to overcome. From the early days, it was a big open incision yes. from your chest bone down to your pubic bone. Open. What do you think? You're going to be in the hospital for days, yep. hernias, pain, Hurts. complications, yep. and now we. Then when we went from open to laparoscopic, the minimally invasive little tiny incisions, there was a learning curve. So there was more. I think there was some more yeah, complications sure, sure. of a different type. And litigation and a lot of a lot of things in the news. Sure, sure, sure. And then and then that. Also, from an insurance standpoint, they might still be back in that kind of ignorant way of thinking about it. But now we have gotten so good at these that since 2019, I have done almost 90% of my procedures as a true outpatient. My patients will leave two to three hours after the completion of their procedure directly from the recovery room. So that means that we can finally, we're the last specialty that can start to transform and go into an outpatient bariatric surgery space at these ambulatory surgery centers. Now, Dr. Dovek, let's stop a minute and tell our listeners, what is bariatric surgery? What actually do you do? So bariatric surgery is weight loss surgery, and it also has a lot of metabolic, hormonal, appetite-changing effects as well. So I do gastric bypass, sleeve gastrectomy. Essentially, I alter their anatomies. I make their stomach smaller. With the bypass, there's some rerouting, so there's some malabsorption that happens that ultimately patients eat less lose weight. And sometimes uh, even almost instantaneously after the procedure, their insulin sensitivity will improve to the point where some of 98% of our type two diabetics will leave after a gastric bypass on none of their diabetes medication. And their blood pressure meds 
t- two weeks later, off blood wow, pressure meds. Exactly. Yeah. Even before the weight loss. I mean, that's the, that's the point. Yeah. So everybody thinks it's yeah. it's the weight loss, but there's a lot more to it than that, right? Well, I mean, you know, we really always important. talk about BMI, body mass index. Yes. Talk about the qualification points for this. Sure. So the traditional qualification points are um, BMI or body mass index of 35 to 39.9 with comorbidities related to obesity or a BMI greater than 40 based on BMI alone. However, two weeks ago in the USA Today, there was an article where the International and the American Societies for Bariatric teamed together. They wrote um, the first consensus statement in almost, I think, 30 years, which we are petitioning the insurance and the payers to say that there is a known effect that BMI of 30 to 34.9 with comorbidities or BMI greater than 35 should be the new considerations for who qualifies. I would say that the biggest game changer that we need to tout and to get the public to understand what the old way was and the new way is in the new way. People are trained like you were trained. Yes. Okay. You are certified to do this. Yep. You're a general surgeon. You can do all those other operations, you know, today, know. Right. <laughs> and, but you are specifically trained. Whereas most bariatric surgeons in the beginning were general. Sur- there was no, no center for bariatric surgery. They were just general surgeons Mm -hmm. and they were, they were adept at what they were doing, hopefully. But then when it became popular, it also became this attractive cash on the barrel. I want to get involved because I can do this. And still we didn't have any certification programs. Exactly. Now we have training and certification and now we have people looking at centers of excellence outcomes. So it is so different than it was. And, you know, and I know, I know this is radio and I, Mm -hmm. I, I, People probably think I'm about 95 years old, but it was not that long ago. I mean, it was in the early 2000s yep. that, that there still wasn't much laparoscopic bariatric stuff going on. Yeah. Occasionally a sleeve gastrectomy, that was about it. But anything like the vertical banded gastropex, all the real complicated stuff, which we don't even do anymore, no. was it was still thought, well, we need to be able to do this, and it opens the only way to go. Yeah. So, so bariatrics has come so far, and the technology... Now, is there is there a place for robotics here, or I mean, what's your general feeling about that? So, me personally, I am one hundred percent laparoscopic. So, yeah. um, I stand by the patient's side. I use long instruments. I see high definition inside of them. We put little tiny um, incisions, like I mentioned before. Robotic is uh, another way of doing a minimally invasive technique. Sure. The surgeon is at a console away from the patient, and there are surgeons that um, utilize that in the bariatric space, no doubt. My my big thing is about healthcare costs here, and you know, turning yep. it to Larry yep. is about mm-hmm. is about giving a value, great quality, right. always Absolutely. at the forefront. But you have to be very responsible about the cost, and I believe that it's a lot more expensive and really unnecessary to use robotic right. techniques. And I am um, I'm trained to do laparoscopic. I'm very efficient at it, and it allows me also to be able to be nimble and really go to these ambulatory surgery centers without the capital investment of the robot yeah. as well. No, I love it, and in pediatric surgery. There are really tight areas where the oh, robot yeah. makes sense just because of the size of incision. So I've I've sort of been in that same place. And, you know, it, it is it's a bit of a marketing tool. I mean, yeah. the robot is amazing. I know you've sat down in front of the robot and you've played oh, with yeah, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it Incredible is, technology. I always say I would love to have one at home. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big <laughs> yes. cook. I would use it for all sorts of stuff. But, but at the same time, with your talent and your training, you're sticking with the laparoscopic. It's better for the patient. 
And, you know, like yeah. you cannot get better than sending a patient home a few hours after surgery. It doesn't get any better it, than it that. It doesn't. It really know? doesn't. They recover in their own home environments. They are up walking, sipping, drinking. You're not curled up in a fetal position. This is That's little amazing. tiny incisions. Yeah, That's Tylenol. Amazing. Script for Tylenol yeah. and some Gas-X. Yeah. You're good yeah. to go. Yeah. Well, Dr. Novick, you mentioned earlier that less than 1% of patients who qualify for surgery actually complete the surgery. Talk about that. Yeah, so that is, um, that's the big thing. We call it, it's the 1% in industry. The medical device companies hasn't been able to increase that. The surgeons, the programs. So why is that? There is a whole host of reasons. And I think first there's that negative stigma. We really haven't had effective, impactful marketing, public service announcements right. that say this believable. is the best treatment. It's yeah. believable. It's great. And it right. resonates. We don't want some stale campaign. Yeah. We want something that resonates and shows the results. And but yeah. what, well, why wouldn't so I'm, I'll play the devil's advocate, right? So, as we said, people can restrict their calories because at the end of the day, you have to restrict your calories, right? So, I mean, the metabolic changes are only going to happen in surgery; they're yeah. not going to happen any other way. But, right. but let's say, let's say, well, you know what? I'm just overweight. I don't really have those other things, which is very, very unlikely. But, very but unlikely. If, if I, <laughs> if my friend and I both have have the the same problem, and one of us does surgery and the other us eats exactly what that person did, that they'll both lose weight, right? And I think that's the big fallacy of saying, well, I'm just going to do that because, number one, you're not going to do that no. because it's hard. It's it's too easy to get out of that habit. And probably in my mind, the most important thing is it really doesn't take that decision-making sacrifice that, you know, if I come to Dr. Dovek and I say, I need you to fix me, I've just committed big time in my yeah. life, yeah. right? Mm, and absolutely. I'm going I'm to stick to that. And that level of commitment and risk and every, everything it built in that that I'm I'm ready. And so, how do we convince people that they're they're really close to being ready? I mean, I think that's that's the question. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, I look at this like the stages of change. So you have the the stage or pre contemplation where you don't you know you're obese, but you're not really like surgery. A, am I big enough? And I mean, everybody just gains their weight back. That's the easy way out. My friends and family would just disown me. Like there's so many things there, but the pre-contemplation is where our primary care colleagues or even OBGYN, orthopedic surgeons, they can introduce this whole idea that you would benefit from this. Then there's the contemplation. And that's when patients are really actively looking for the best program for them. What is the personality? Do they they fulfill you with what you need from an energy standpoint and, and what they they give you in the resources and and how that goes and then there's the preparation and that's when they're actively engaged in the program getting ready for surgery getting educated and then finally action is surgery afterward is is maintenance and then there can be some re- regain relapse and you want a comprehensive program that'll be with you for life that can even maybe at that time introduce some medications to right. help you and all of those sorts of things to keep you on track i mean there have been some great examples of people that that most of the nation sees on television that have had these surgeries sure and but very few of them really talk about I it i know and and right. it's only only when some groups like us look at them and go okay there's only one way this happened and then that that's a piece now what i mean i don't i don't get that because they're really yeah. missing out what this is this Jarrah, is not... jared at subway remember that one <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah yeah he was on well, for even ages, like even ones like adele yeah. let's be real yeah. rebel yeah. wilson yeah. Adele, um, yeah. yeah kelly yeah. clark or kelly um osborne uh ozzy's daughter she yeah. came out and she said that she had the sleep yeah. so she admitted it but you're right it's not al it's, roker he's he's admitted one. it yeah, and yeah, then, al roker yep yep but the thing is that is what my mission is it is to popularize normalize, make these procedures more mainstream 
stream. And I'll tell you, there is a huge community out there on Instagram, I'm sure. on Facebook. If if you follow me, I'm Dr. Dovec, D-R-D-O-V-E-C on Instagram. Mm-hmm. You will see there are tons of what we call like these bariatric patient influencers who are bravely sharing their story because right. they were searching for this when mm-hmm. they were trying to make this sure. difficult and brave decision. And they are paying it forward by showing these are my results. These are my NSVs, non-scale victories, the things that I can do now that have nothing to do with how many pounds of weight I have lost, but right. now I can live my life better because of surgery. Right. And there are people like you in every major city. I mean, um, it, I mean, yes. you used to, you'd have to travel to certain places in the country, yeah. have these yeah. things done. And at that point, that's when it, it was kind of, it's Probably so more like a change of excellence at yeah. that time. Well, I, I would say the, yeah. the social media angle has to, has to be working a little. I mean, have you seen oh, the lot. needle move at all I to mean, that 1%? When I came down to Florida, I was able to replicate that very quickly because I have a digital footprint. Yes. And I think that's instrumental. I meet patients where they're at, and if that happens to be online, I have a Facebook support group. All are welcome. It's completely agnostic to any program affiliation. Right. You can join it. Excellent. I think when we come back, let's talk about what the process is for the patient when they sit down with you for the first time and that kind of go through there. Sounds great. And we'll cover that. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. Our website is behindhealthcarenow.com. That's behindhealthcarenow.com. Be right back. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Navigate the healthcare process like never before. Due to popular demand, Healthcare Now is also airing on Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Join me, Larry Jones, and Dr. Mark on Healthcare Now, Thursdays at 7 p.m. and Saturdays at 1. AM 950, FM 94.9, The Answer, and at TheAnswerOrlando.com. Take The Answer with you wherever you go. TheAnswerOrlando.com. Tune in, iHeart, and Odyssey.com. News, opinion, passion, on the go. AM 950, FM 94.9, The Answer. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. This is Dr. Mark. You've got Larry Jones sitting across from me, and we are here with Betsy Dovek, and we are talking about bariatric surgery. What we're really talking about is healthcare in America. All and, things obesity yeah, and healthcare I mean, lifestyle. There, yeah. there is not any one thing that we could do to improve our nation's health care than to get people's BMIs where they can live their lives and be healthy. And, I mean, there, there isn't. I mean, And, and you know, Dr. Dovek, how do you calculate your BMI? Can you talk about that? Sure. You so, do it on your smartphone. That's yeah, right. pretty yeah, much. Exactly. I was going to say, BMI formula and you yeah, kick in the numbers. You're stealing my thunder here. I was going to say, you go to Google. Go what, you, what, you, what you do is you enter BMI calculator into Google, and then you put your, your height and your weight, and it's a ratio of your weight in kilograms to your height in meters squared, but it basically okay. just go to Google and it. calculate yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, great. We were going to talk about the process. So let's sure. say that, that you have a patient that's 
done some of the soul searching, they make that first appointment with you, which doesn't mean they're headed to the operating room. Right, right, right. Take it from there. So I really believe in simplifying it, making it frictionless, because that's the thing. The first day you're so excited, you finally made that step. That first step is always the most challenging. And then I have to do this huge list of things. And that's really deflating. Um, And so what I want to do is really what we call process mastery. And how do I get you from that initial consult safely to having this procedure done as soon as possible as well. So at the forefront is patient education. Mm -hmm. So I have an app, actually. It's also available online. It's called New Try Health, Mm N-E-W-T-R-I Health. And at New Try Health, what we do is we have 25 video classes. They're very short. They follow all the adult learning principles. And then patients can watch these videos on everything from nutrition, exercise, all the mental changes. How do you change your habits anyway? And how do you get the support that you need? And how do you set goals and and achieve them and and, and keep them? And after they watch these videos, they read more information. There's a key fact infographic. There's supplemental reading materials that are all referenced, all kept up to date. They take a quiz. And at the end of this course, they will get a completion certificate, which is recognized by all insurances as that supervised weight loss requirement check in the box. They also do a um, a psych evaluation. Mm -hmm. And I think a one-time evaluation really doesn't do much, but they I do believe if you really vibe well with that that mental health therapist, that you really should have we all need a therapist, let's right. be real. Like right. you it helps you to really just deal with why why are you eating? Is it emotional reasons? Right. Is it mm-hmm. just habit? Is it cultural? Is it social? Like why is that? And how do we get to the root of those things to help you to really, if you don't know yourself, you can't improve yourself. And that's why that's so critical. And then there's other clearances. You might, if you have a heart history, need cardiac clearance, maybe labs, EKGs, maybe you need imaging. So we customize what you need to do. And Mm -hmm. then you go off, you do it, we keep track of you. And then ultimately we schedule you for your last appointment, go over all of the nuances that you need to do to succeed. And then we have your surgery and we um, do it as safe and as efficiently as possible. Okay. And what about thyroid issues? Yeah. So I I really feel like that's like the chicken or the egg. So my thought is I have a lot of patients who will come in. They have hypothyroid, meaning they have their thyroid isn't functioning as it should. And that is something that's very instrumental in your metabolism and your weight regulation. And so we check that we see that and you should definitely have that treated. But their weight doesn't really go much. I think that if you gain weight and you're struggling with obesity, that's actually what makes your thyroid worse. Right. And that's why the correlation oh, so is there. So it's the other way it's, around. It be, I think it, yeah, it is. It could be. I do think it is. Yeah. And sometimes when they lose weight after surgery, all of a sudden they're on Synthroid or some sort of other medication right. um, for their thyroid. All of a sudden the the dosing goes down yeah. and then with time they get off of it yeah. sometimes even. Yeah. so yeah. Dr. Novak, I've actually had a couple of friends that said, well, I'm obese because I have a thyroid problem. That's a very You've heard common, that a million com- times. Yeah. It's, million times. It's yeah. at least a thousand times more commonly said than true. At okay. least a thousand. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Which is, yep. but at the same time, to your point, you would think that being the, the stress to your body mm. of being severely overweight can give this sort of negative feedback system to you know we we are a a just a miracle machine. I mean, the parts of our bodies. Yep. And, I mean, just the way things work. And when you throw something far left. 
into it. I mean, yep. it, it can, it's going to it's going to shake things up at some point yep. or another. Absolutely. Yeah. Now on the finance side, so we talked a little bit about insurance. Yeah. Insurance is sort of defined like we're going to cover it for these circumstances. Sure. And that's a lot of the people, right? I mean, that's not that's not the rare person that comes in and says, "Yeah, I want to do this." Right. I mean, there was the the old outdated um, NIH guidelines that define the BMI, define the comorbidities, mm-hmm. and then they have also, like I said, the supervised weight loss requirement. It's not like, oh, you know what? I'm going to go in today and I'm going to go get a haircut, so I'm just going to be able to get it tomorrow. Tomorrow. It's not like that with bariatric surgery. There's so much preparation right. mentally, physically, getting yourself like even emotionally ready to right, take this right. leap. And the insurance, you know, I think they have good intentions, but there's not a lot of great evidence yeah. that suggests that by making you do these certain things, you're going to succeed more. Yeah. I think it's more of having the supportive environment, this mm-hmm. community of other like-minded people who've been through similar struggles coming together where strangers become friends, and that is how you succeed. Well, we've seen, and and I'm glad you brought that up, Dr. Mark, because we've seen in the insurance area, which, you know, I spend a lot of time in, very much inconsistent insurance coverage around this area. You want to speak to what you've seen on that, Dr. Dovet? Yes, and I want to tell you I made a bold decision to try to improve access to care. So essentially, of all of the patients that we'll talk about Florida, Mm Florida blue largely excludes bariatric surgery in 2022. So the, wow. the majority of the other blues, Anthem, you name it, they typically cover it. But Florida is is an anomaly in that. Yeah. And, I and that's something Cigna does cover it. Cigna typically yep. does. I mean, yep. it's at the level of the employer if they opt into that coverage, right. that benefit. But um, Cigna usually does. Aetna does. United does. Medicare does. Medicaid does. But you have these big employers like Orange County Public Schools, yep. um, universal students, yep. these self-insured plans mm-hmm. are not opting into it. And they so that's, yep. that's why I feel that it is so critically important that, again, we decrease costs, we increase value, we increase quality. And by sometimes maybe doing that episode of care in a different environment, I think we'll be able to have, hopefully, um, yeah. with your assistance, better negotiations well, with right. these payers. Well, now we need you know, to. We as far as to. approaching the payers in this in- in- inconsistent insurance coverage, the way I would do it, and I've been working with insurance companies for 25 years, right. is play on the comorbidities yeah. that obesity impacts. Therefore, bariatric surgery could be one of the solutions to, to you had indicated that of that one, uh, $1.7 trillion, mm. that $400 billion of it is due to additional chronic illnesses. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, so, what, that's what the insurance yeah, companies are going to want to know. Yeah. 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 Well, when you look at, I think one of the things that, that kind of muddies the water is, Obesity on its own can't be looked at on its own. Like when you look at no. its cost or its mortality and morbidity rates, you can't just say obesity, right? So we can look at it like, you know what? And we talk about this a lot. Mm-hmm. Care for diabetics. Yes. Hugely expensive. Yep. Lots of complications with these patients. But then now if we mm-hmm. just take the group of diabetics that are obese, because this is a group yep. that, that you can help tremendously. And so I think it's a little bit of the yep. way the numbers are looked at. And I'm I'm just going to say, you know, it's not a conspiracy theory to say that the the if if it's looked at that way, then the Florida Blues are going to have to pay, and they're going to spend more money, you Absolutely. know. And, 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 and when they look at their books the way they stand right now, but but they're smart enough yep. to know that it's going to come back on the other end. Well, right? you know, Doctor Mark, there's been some legislation passed, uh, in a, in particularly in the Medicare side, that uh, beginning July one of next year. People that are paying three hundred fifty, four hundred dollars right, a month for insulin. diabetes yeah. and insulin are now going to max it at thirty-five dollars a month, mm. which is great. Yeah. But if that yep. 
It, that it, kicks it, in if, next If you might July. consider to have yep. bariatric surgery so you didn't have to pay those money right, for it, right, I right. wish you would, right? Exactly. And, and now we're talking type 2 diabetes, right, which that's is right. the most, most common, and, yep. the, and that's, yep. that's an issue. But yep. I think, you know, that may be part of the fight, um, that how do we define the cost yep. of obesity? And we have, to get, we have to get better at it. But you're absolutely right, Dr. Mark. It's not standalone obesity. No. It no, can't be. And that's the way it has to be approached with the payers. Yeah. And I mean, the yep. data really supports this. There's so much in the space of healthcare economics and how, okay, you invest this into the procedure and then you're going to see at this timeline, this is your return on that investment in terms of a decrease in the overall cost sure. of, of the care in getting rid of the sleep apnea machines. I mean, there are over 40 obesity-related yeah conditions that are either improved yeah. or completely resolved sometimes right. instantaneously after surgery. Well, it's funny because we, you know, we talk about comorbidities, but obesity is the comorbidity. Mm. You know, yeah. I mean, it's really we're flipping yeah. the script, huh. right? Yeah. Because at the same time, because you can take away that hypertension by fixing the obesity. Yeah. Well, so know, so what's, Dovec, what's the chicken egg there? Yeah. You know, I mean, gosh, I love crazy. Yeah, that's will, such a great I point. I will offer, uh, I know you, I'm sure you deal with the payers. But I will take you to the top-level C-suite of Blue Cross if you'd like to present your case. Yes, please. Yes, I have chills. That. and yeah. I, Dr. Mark and I yeah. both do that. Yep. Well, Absolutely. I mean, and that's what I need. I think that's the hardest yeah. thing for me as a provider who's yeah. passionate about this space, passionate about this mm-hmm. community, making a difference. I mean, mm-hmm. I resigned from my mm-hmm. hospital cushy job to yeah. boldly go out there and be yeah. like, right. I'm going to take a risk, start this business and really try to change the way we do this because I'm going to fight until the day I die on trying to improve coverage. Right. But the hardest thing for me is that like getting the right person in the room, yep. getting, you know, I we have the that. facts, we the data, that. the That's all right. of no. it. Well, yeah, so, I appreciate so you guys. So what we're involved with more than anything is value-based medicine. Yes. And you're, you're the definition of value-based medicine because if I can take you one are. of your potential clients and look at what their life is going to be like and what their expenditures are going to be like before and after having surgery, that's where that value-based, it's, it'll, it'll completely flip that number. And those are the relationships that, that we have. And when you start discussing that, and we've been discussing yep. it for a long time now, those arguments come, come through. Yep. And... That hits them right where they live. Yeah. I mean, it, we, it really was. We but, work with yeah. all the major chief medical officers of all the major payers. Wow. Sometimes we badmouth them right the here on the radio. The <laughs> yeah, we do. We'll nail <laughs> them if they get out of line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> I love it. But they, they still they still support us for some reason or another. Uh, they do. But but it is that's I think that's tremendously important because we recognize the financial costs that are yes. involved. Yeah. But value based yeah. care. We talk about this a lot. There have been a number of different methodologies yep. of insurance since insurance came along yep. and they all last about the same amount of time. Mm. Value-based care is, I, I'm never going to yep. say it's here to stay because something else will happen, but, but it's been here yep. a long enough time and shown only growth. Well, you uh, know, so Dr. Mark, really talking important. about value-based is Dr. Dovek probably doesn't know. We actually have a patented program called value-based IQ hmm. and it's a program that helps physicians move from a FIFA service environment to a high-demand, value-based program. And I would love to talk to you about implementing some of these things that we're talking about today into that program. I would love it. Yeah, and that works in the private sector. It also works at the hospitals. It's not an even playing field, and we can talk about that off off mic sometime, but but it's very important, and I can see it really fitting in here. I mean, when, when when the tragedy is not having coverage, this can be the answer. 
I mean, I completely agree. And I think it's developing that perfect model that just really gives you that comprehensive multidisciplinary with cost consciousness to be able to build something that will work for the patients that they really, you also have to elevate their experience and optimize that. So I think there's just so much potential in this space. And that's why we, in this room, we're going to increase that 1%. No, I love it. When we get back, we'll we'll add to that plan in the last segment, Uh, but I I think we've all got some a lot yeah. of ideas to talk about. We're talking with Dr. Betsy Dovek, diplomat of the Board of Obesity Medicine, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Take the answer with you wherever you go. TheAnswerOrlando.com. Tune in, iHeart, and Odyssey.com. News, opinion, passion on the go. AM 950, FM 94.9. The Answer. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. This is Dr. Mark. I'm here with Larry Jones and Dr. Betsy Dovick, and we are just crushing it. I think this is a this has been a great afternoon discussion about great a discussion. very very important thing, and uh, we're going to continue. And I want to make sure that we talk about these segments going by so quickly. So anything that you want to throw out there, we've been leading the conversation too much, as we usually do. So I want to make sure you get it out, and I want to invite you back, because we clearly can do this a lot. I mean, and so as as you transition into that new space, we'd love to have you back to talk more about this. And also, contact information, your office numbers, email, whatever you want to give out before we... Sure. I think the best way to connect with me at this point as I'm transitioning into my own private practice Mm -hmm. is my Instagram, as I mentioned, and that is Dr. Dovek, D-R-D-O-V-E-C. And I also have a podcast as well. It's called Dr. X Dietitian, and that's dietitian with two Ts. And the reason why um, my dietitian, Hannah, myself wanted to do that is because we want to break down those frequently asked questions and we want to really tackle things like... How do I eat after surgery? What's it really going to be like? Why should I do this? And that's how I start all of my yeah. my visits. Which sure. like, why are you here? Like, what's your why? Like, what's your motivation to do something so major like changing your life? Mm-hmm. And I don't care whatever your why is. That's that's your why. That's personal. And, I, yeah. and I think that that's another reason. Like, bariatric surgery is the fastest growing specialty in surgery. Um, But even with that, only we only performed a quarter of a million surgeries last year, even though there was almost 30 million people who had a BMI greater than 40. And there's even more that qualify for it from there. And I think it's because somewhere along the lines, like there's this weird disconnect between almost the surgeon, the program and the patient and what we actually want. And so it's looking somebody in the eye. And by the way, I'm 100% virtual, which might seem weird. Like, how do you establish a relationship with your physician Mm -hmm. if you're virtual? And I've been that way since March of 2020. And over these last almost three years now, which is crazy, um, what I've learned is that people are so vulnerable in their own environments, yes. whether that be at home, mm-hmm. right. at work, in their cars, where they, they tell me some really, really um, yep. in, intense stories about why they're there. Well, no. you know, let me let me go back because you guys both had mentioned process. Mm-hmm. And I want to get it clear to our listeners. 
What do people go through before they decide, okay, Mm. I've got to have this surgery? So there is a lot of data to support that the average, actually, I want you guys to guess how Mm. many average diets do you think our patients say that, like formalized diet plans, Mm -hmm. do you think that they do before they end up pursuing bariatric surgery? Oh my gosh, how many diet plans are there? How many do you think? They've got to try at least 50. I would say 10. So the the average patient has done 22 different 22. diet or exercise plans. You know, I was going to go 24. I was going to go 25. Okay. Oh, okay. And I thought, okay, no, now, I got to go bigger. I got to go bigger. But that was yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. But, it, but so that's the thing. So beforehand, look, nobody wakes up um, as their first line of treatment and says, I'm going to have surgery right now. I mean, of course not. People right. are doing Weight Watchers. They've joined their gyms. They have trainers. They've tried the mainstream. They tried the dangerous. They tried the out and out crazy yep. things. Yep. Fasting. I only eat grapefruit. I mean, I mean, the list is uh, just the endless. cabbage diet. Uh, I mean, we could that's go on and, and I would on. think a lot of that leads to more depression and uh, well, it's failure. Without it a doubt, failure, it, right. it doesn't. Yeah. It leads really. to failure. Yeah. It leads to disappointment. Yeah. It leads to you feeling like, how come you eat more than I eat, but I'm struggling? There's so many components to it too. Obesity mm-hmm. is a disease, and if you don't think so, you're wrong. Obesity has so many multifactorial reasons why it is um, so difficult. It's so complicated. It's so complex. But I know that surgery can actually improve or even resolve yeah. it. Well, and it, that's the thing. It's it has amazed me over the years how many of my patients families they come in and we talk about an operation that they just have they just need. Yeah. And how many say, "Well, isn't there a pill for that?" Mm. And I think in obesity there have been all these awful pills. Yeah. yeah. And so everybody's waiting for that right thing. It I I do not feel at all uncomfortable saying that ain't going to happen yeah. because it's too complicated yeah. and it takes yeah. too many things. First, there are plenty of pills so that make you lose weight. a lot of out there is what you're oh, saying, Dr. Well, Mark. Well, it does, yeah. it'll make mm-hmm. you lose weight, yeah, but it can't keep the weight off because right. that's, yeah. that's a right. behavioral and a metabolic issue that you're not fixing sure. just by losing the weight that, that one time, you know, and, yeah. and we talk a lot about that. So yeah. who's, uh, let's start. I know there's a lot of, I mean, in my mind, the ideal candidate would be somebody who's probably the riskiest to take to surgery, but they're going to have the most benefit. So from your perspective, what's the ideal candidate? I mean, honestly, I think of ideal, like the perfect patient is somebody that's all in committed. Like, I'm like, I'll meet you halfway. You meet me halfway. It's somebody that is, um, has done their research. It just feels fully ready. Like it's almost as if you're on the edge of a cliff and you're looking down and it's like, okay, you're waiting for this moment to jump. My job is to push you over the edge and enjoy the descent. I give you a parachute. It will open and give you the resources and the tools that you need to succeed. So I think that it's somebody that's engaged, that's in the support groups, that is actively working on their mental health, that is making sure that they are, again, well-educated, well-informed about this very important decision. Mm-hmm. And they get prepared. They they start to, I mean, and I don't think you need to go with a trash bag and completely overhaul your life and throw everything away right, in your cupboards right. and your, in your fridges. I think... You can keep the dog. I mean, it's going to be... You can keep the dog. That's not going to impact your weight. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, but slowly but surely, you, you start to uh, develop this new lifestyle. And sure. this new lifestyle is very sustainable. It is not that you're this weird one that's like, can only eat a few things. You can still enjoy food. You right. can still enjoy family meals and big events and going out and, and having that social you know component of food. There's, that, there's a lot. Some, that's really an interesting thought because you bring up an idea. So dietary restrictions. Yeah. What event can you go to today without having a list of dietary restrictions? Mm. So that's even less of a, of a, a stigma. And, and I think another big part is, you know, when you're, you're sitting across from these, these folks and talking to them and, and I'm sure some of them said, 
I don't want to die. Yeah. And and mm-hmm. I, and and what they're saying is I don't want to have surgery and die. But you're thinking I think don't have surgery and your risk of dying from all these higher it's higher and that's the thing and and even even you know people are concerned like i'm afraid of the anesthesia listen my friends the chances of you having an issue under under anesthesia are actually less than your risk of getting in a car accident on the way to the hospital compared to the comorbidities that you have that could kill you yeah no i I, we've worked with some of the same anesthesiologists and 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 i i do appreciate that that's often what they say when they they say like i'm really worried about that they said you you took Five times more risk driving on I four to get here today. Exactly, and, and, and it's not. True. And everybody laughs like, no, no, That's no. A fact. It's a fact. That it's a just fact. a fact. Yeah. But it's you're so right. true. Yeah. And, and I know, and I know it's scary. You know, we have a lot of parents. Like, I don't want to leave my kid without their parent. I'm like, but you're not living now, and you're going to like, yes. you're, you're you're already like not living and giving the, this to them. So, yeah. and then it's one of those things where like when you make it safely to the other side, we call it being on the losers bench, and you make it to that. It's ultimately like, oh. What was I so afraid of? But yeah. until you live through it and you push through that anxiety, that yeah. fear, that excitement, I hope, then you realize, like, yeah. I can do this. Mm-hmm. This is now outpatient. I'm right. up and moving. I'm prepared. Like, you it's you can do it. And, you know, I think it's a lot of those things. We talk about, we were talking just earlier about someone who had hip replacement. Yeah. And the most common story of a knee or hip replacement afterwards is, why did I wait? Mm, and it's, exactly. it's the fear. Actually, this person and, actually made yeah, that comment. Right. Yeah, why, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so... To me, when we sit this and we look at that that retrospective analysis, it's got to be because of you and I, Dr. Yeah. Novick. It's got to be us because yeah. somehow we haven't convinced yeah. them that we care enough, that we can do this well enough, yeah. and that they don't need to fear that. And it, it may just be part of the the, the human nature that they're, they're always going to yeah. be there. But I'm here to say that 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 you're what they need. Yeah. You know, that yeah. they, ha- they have to take that. Yep. It's not even a leap of faith. It's a leap of fact. Oh, yeah. yes. And, and, you know, we just need yeah. to take it there and, and, and really change. One percent is ridiculous. That's just, that is just, just ridiculous. In Florida, it's 0.6 percent. Oh, my 0%. God. There's only 10,000 oh, bariatric surgeries We beat surgeries up on Florida performs. all the time. we got to add yeah. it to that. We're one of the most now, obese. It's obese and we're not getting about, surgery. I know we're talking about obesity in general. Talk about kids. Yes. Yeah. Because we, we talked about that off air a little bit. Sure. Uh, what do you see in there? I mean, it's a horrible, vicious cycle. You have the parents, and it's what they mm-hmm. buy and what they cook and what yeah. they bring in the, the, the talent. And we're talking about you can't go to an event there's not food at. I mean, you can't. Kids at school, I I, I obsess about weight. This is all I do for a living. Right. And then my own kids, it's like constantly bringing a treat. There's sugar. There's snacks. There's juice. Yep. There's you know regular Gatorade. It's yep. it's it's something that it's almost it's so out of control. And like treat yourself and get a snack yep. and it, like. It's hard to be like, no, you can't have that. Um, But obesity starts with the parents and it starts with all of us. And that's something that's really just hard. It's very hard. Well, I've seen statistics recently that child obesity is rampant in America, worse than it's ever been in history. Yeah, no question. question. And that's going to keep leading into the adulthood obesity epidemic as well. And so Mm -hmm. I think that if we can change this stigma around bariatric surgery, get the coverage, get the employers, maybe make some bundles, make it make sense all around, I think that's the only way we're going to be able to break the trends. Right. Because right now this is an unsustainable model if we continue to do it the way we're doing and it. And one of the other big changes that we've, we've talked about on the show a great deal are, are mental health yes. issues. Mm-hmm. And so the interaction between obesity and mental health in both directions is, is, is remarkable, yep. right? Yep. I mean, it is. And, and I think you mentioned that that's part of your 
preoperative evaluation. And it's also part of your ongoing, you know, when you've made this selection to, yeah. to go this route, I mean, you're going to look at things differently. Yeah. But I would think isolationism is a big piece of uh, obesity. There's isolation. Yeah. There's eating alone in my car. There's, I mean, there's also like, I mean, there's so many different socioeconomic factors. There's the single mother who's just trying to survive, who's working two jobs, running your kids here and there and taking the yeah. kids fast food. There's, yeah. well, um, it's the cost of crappy food versus the cost of good food. How do you fix that? You got a mom who's a teacher, has five children, mm-hmm. husbands also works, and the only way to feed my kids at night is to stop by McDonald's and get fast yeah. food. No, it's, it's a lifestyle. How do we fix that, Dr. Uh, I know. You I just know. don't go by McDonald's and get fast food. McDonald's, will, will, they'll never sponsor our show, so I can go, <laughs> I, I can go there. And, yeah, I'm you not, just. I'm not you really just saying. I'm not picking yeah. on McDonald's. Any fast well, you should. food, you any should. processed food. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, Actually, you, you have to make better selections. I mean, I, and that's hard. I have a weird anecdotal story about McDonald's, real quick, in our last few seconds okay. here. But yeah, sure. I and Dr. Mark, you can attest to this. So I look at livers all day, every yep. day. I've done over four thousand surgeries. I've seen over four thousand livers, and I'll tell you. I am dead on that I can spot when someone is drinking McDonald's sweet tea. I'm like, because wow. the liver looks a very specific way. Awesome. Yeah, it's really scary. Oh, wow. That's yeah. amazing. And they have typically severe fatty liver disease. Actually, that's mm-hmm. another thing, another comorbidity we didn't even talk about, yep. is that yep. actually the necessity for a liver transplantation is, you think is alcoholism, yep. is actually the number one reason is for fatty liver Santa disease. Yeah, what it's is obesity. the incidence of fatty liver disease in, in our patients? Oh, yeah. well, uh, well, it's really probably... In our patient, yeah, yeah, it's almost 100 yeah. percent of them have some degree of fatty liver disease. Some of it, wow. which is irreversible, headed yeah. to end stage cirrhosis of the liver. Yeah. Wow! So they're all going to have fatty okay. liver. It just depends yeah. on how it affects the function. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, that that is amazing. I tell you, this has been fantastic. Yeah. We're nowhere near done. No, I we're not. You. To be continued, yeah. our yeah. listeners. Yeah. So contact information yeah. again. Yeah, contact. Yeah. Information. So um, yeah. please get a hold of me. Um, I am at Doctor Dovek on Instagram. D R D O V E C. Follow my podcast, Doctor X Dietitian. There's all kinds of information. The link in the bio that will tell you more. How you can follow, subscribe to my things, and hopefully I'll get to take care of you soon. Dr. Dovek, thank you so much for joining us today on Healthcare Now. You know, this whole show centers around helping build educated healthcare consumers. And obviously, obesity and all things around it are so important to the lifestyle and health of America. We're so glad you joined us today. Absolutely. Thank Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, guys. We'll have you back. Thank you for joining us today on Healthcare Now. To find the answers you are looking for or have a question, you can reach Larry and Dr. Mark by emailing your questions and comments to follow us at healthcarenow.us. And we'll continue our discussion same time next week on navigating our complex healthcare system on Healthcare Now. On Healthcare Now. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. 
Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.